Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. We are live for the what, seventh time, fifth time, fourth time. I don't know. I'm starting to lose track. And a half. Fifty-seventh and a half time this tour to talk about a band, a very special band, a band that gives you book reports that you have to complete, that makes you keep track of hundreds of song possibilities so that you can immediately react when they start playing a specific song a band that busts out songs that you're like i didn't even realize that was a bust out i thought that you played that like every 10 shows a band that at its root incredibly simple that band they're really out to fuck with you they're really out to fuck with you in the simplest way possible 
That band is Fish. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast live recapping night two at Charleston, June 1st, 2022. My name is Brian Brinkman. I'm here with Jonathan Hart. How are you doing here today, man? I'm great. I'm great. It's uh, taking a, a, a break from day job to talk about fish. What could be better? What did the Grateful Dead say about that? I don't remember. They said something about day jobs, and Freaking I feel like it was inadvisable. It was the one inadvisable thing that they said. You no, know no, I mean? it's pretty solid advice. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, speaking from experience. Speaking of sound advice, um, we're going to be here talking about June first, twenty twenty-two. We are going to be joined here in a couple of minutes by Mike Gottfried at Piper Golf, who was at the shows. Um, really cool story in terms of his ability to attend these shows. We're going to dive into that, um, dive into kind of his thoughts on the overall venue, the setting, what happened last night, how it compared with Tuesday night, really interesting two night run. When you really think about where the band is at at this point in time, I think we're getting a no repeats run. What do you think at this point, Jonathan? Uh, Well, I mean, I, I think it's a fair bet, but never trust a prankster. I mean, I, I just, I don't think anybody who's going to Deer Creek this weekend would be mad if they played Tweezer. So. I think it would be funny if they just slipped in a repeat, like an innocuous repeat. Um, like I'm trying to think like night one or two of the overall tour. Like they played Waste in the Encore on yeah. Friday night. If they just like threw that into the ballad slot. And so it was like a no repeat run except for one this random one-off ballad that ballad. just like, <laughs> and that's what broke it. Like that would be pretty fishy to me. I'd be into that. But yeah, the, the a second tweezer, especially coming off of that Sunday night tweezer would be amazing. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair bet that they will, they're, they're doing no repeats. Otherwise something would have crept in. Something had to have crept something in, in these last two in nights. By now. Yeah probably waste in the ballad slot. That's, you know, that's the guess. Um, So we're going to dive into this. There were some really cool, really interesting set list choices last night. Um, Last night kind of broke the model in some cases of the overall tour thus far. We got our first non jammed out uh, show opener. I got really excited when I was like, are they going to play a 20 minute cool it down right now? Because I'm going to kind of lose my mind. Um, But there was jamming. There was some jamming in set two that we're going to dive into, which I'm very, very excited to talk about. Um, Before we do that, we have two points of business. Um, We are going to talk, we're going to let you know about our sponsors, but I want to give the microphone here, even though he has one, I want to give the microphone here to Jonathan. You have an album coming out tomorrow, and I want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners about it and where they can purchase it. I I do have an album coming out. It is called uh, Slips, Trips, and Falls. So you can see it there on the screen if you're watching. Um, but otherwise, that's what it's called. This is what it looks like if you are. Yeah, if you're. It's a really cool watching album home. cover. The back actually has text. the The cover on the front you know, the, that's done by a friend of mine, and it's hard to see on screen there, but it looks pretty cool in person. Um, it's um. I write songs, so there you go. It's uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can. Um, I write songs. I record I, them. I put them out on an album. Listen yeah, to it. Um, I. 
played a lot of what's on here. I got a couple friends and a couple folks to help out. Um, so it's not just me and guitar and my subpar bass playing, but I, I got, you know, real bass player to do some of the, do some of that. I got a great guy playing pedal steel and um, on one of the tracks. And I, I think, I think it's all right. And it's not my first album. It's, it's my second album. So I your hope people will check it out. They can get it at jmhart.bandcamp.com or uh, it's on Apple Music. Search for JM Hart for the artist. You'll find it there somewhere. Um, out tomorrow. I got to say, I read a review of it the other day. I think you had posted it and um, they talked about your lyrical choices being in the vein of Warren Zevon in the sense that you're writing about. And I think Wednesdays was the perfect pick for this you're writing about very and i say this complimentary very mundane aspects of like the the slog of the work week but in a way that's very colorful that is relatable and that's like that's the that's the zivon angle where like he could write about things where you were just like who is writing a song about this but he wrote about it in a colorful way that you were like i got a lot out of that and i relate and i feel that when i listen to your music thank you you're very welcome. I can't wait for this to be out, and I encourage everybody to check it out. That album cover has like a Zuma crossed with with light and with love woods type vibe to it. It's 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 great. I dig it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm actually really happy with it. I basically gave him a rough edit of the album, and I said, "Here, you can listen to this and uh, draw me something." It's like, "Well, what do you want it to look like?" I was like, "I want it to look like you drew it," and and here we are. I'm not going to give you any notes. You do it. Yeah. You want me to do the album cover? Because I could do the album cover, but like, I want <laughs> no. you to do it. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out tomorrow, jmheart.bandcamp.com. Before we jump into the show, we want to tell you as well about our sponsor at Sunset Lake CBD. Jonathan, you want to tell us about these wonderful yeah. people? Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or young fish fan searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoid or anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone. Hawaiian A's is awesome for an outdoor show. Cherry Abacus is better for maybe the end of the night. All of the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you the great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping directly from their farm to your door. And yeah, it's great. You know, you can enjoy the pleasure of a smoke, smoking flour. It's a, an experience that I think, you know, many of us enjoy without the more psychedelic effects, which can kind of limit when is the right time to do it. So, um, you know, I, I find it quite pleasant and, uh, yeah, dig it. So check them out today at www.sunsetlakecbd.com. You can use our coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. That's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Great people great company do it i'm right there with you on that um i think it's time we should bring our guest on and we should dive into 6122 from charleston south carolina mike godfrey how are you doing here today man welcome to the pod thanks for having me i'm doing great 
uh, fun night last night. So it's a pleasure to be here and uh, chat through it with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're really excited to have you here. So tell us, we were talking before we went live. Um, you had just like a perfect mix of family vacation and fish. And, and when that happens, when that comes together, it's both a blessing and a curse. Uh, the blessing being you have like a reason to go see fish. The curse being you have to now tell your family, I'm going to see fish while on vacation. Tell us about kind of how you got to these shows. Yeah. For, for two nights at that. So, uh, <laughs> we in, yeah, we live in Atlanta, uh, and we, uh, we vacation here in the, in the low country in, uh, the Charleston area every year. Uh, this is family beach vacation after the kids are out of school. So, you know, we've had this book for a year and then this little spring tour slides in and they make the announcement and I'm looking at it like, Oh, perfect. And then I start thinking logistics and then I start thinking, am I going to be able to sleep past six o'clock in the morning? So, uh, you know, we get down here with the family. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. They, um, they, they like fish and they support fish, the idea of it, but, uh, you know, they still wake up at, uh, the early morning hours. So, uh, different kind of fish vacation, uh, different kind of family vacation with fish twisted in, um, but uh, we're able to pull it off and, you know, sometimes the, it just works out that way, which, uh, you know, makes it all the better and a, a unique fish experience, just like uh, yeah. we were chatting about before the show. It's not it's as great. much escapism I, as the family's a part of it. Eventually, yeah. sleep in too. So uh, there's hope. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that. I'll take it any way I can get it these days. So, uh, you know, just, just happy we were able to pull it off. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We're glad you're able to go to these shows. Um, so you're from Atlanta. So I'm guessing you're pretty familiar with Southeastern fish. This was not your first time seeing them in Charleston, I'm guessing. No. So I've been to, I think all of the Charleston shows in the 3.0 era. Um, and they've all to this point been in that minor league hockey arena, which is a very different experience than what we had the last two nights. And, um, like I was saying, this was a breath of fresh air, not only outdoor fish in the spring, um, but a venue that I not only had never been to, but had never heard of prior to this mm -hmm. tour. Um, a tennis arena, which I, again, like outside of, uh, you know, where they play the U S open in Queens, I didn't know many tennis arenas existed. Um, so, so many cool different things, Daniel Island, which like is this, you know, upscale Charleston suburb. I'm like, they're either going to love this or hate this. Uh, <laughs> this should be interesting to see. Um, and so, you know, just like all that together for me, who's, who's been doing this for a little while, a totally unique, different experience than, than any other fish I've been to the venue itself, just the way it was set up. Um, you're on a clay tennis court down on the floor, which we were for two nights, which is like, again, stomping around on that, like. We're halfway between, I don't know, a, a, a concrete floor and like the beach that Mexico shows are on. Like it was kind of <laughs> soft and sandy in a weird way. Weird. Um, a ton of space, uh, not a bad seat in the house. And mm -hmm. then this uh, this whole Daniel Island setting, which um, was beautiful and unique and different. The venue seemed new and clean. Um, so it was it was nice. It was cool. It was great. It was great for this like family vacation fish run put together that I wasn't going, you know, uh, hiking into a, you know, into a field somewhere and then having to get myself back together and back <laughs> to the kids. <laughs> yeah. Bet. Yeah. It sounds like a really nice spot. And, uh, was there much of a shakedown outside? Uh, no. Alabama lacked that. Yeah. This lacked that too. The parking was kind of a mess. Um, so they had like, I don't know, probably a little over a mile away were the, the main parking lots and they had school buses bringing people in. 
um, which was like kind of a cool minute or two where you're just on a bus with a bunch of people while doing the same thing. Um, but then you right got right on this line, like on the street, it's in front of the shopping center with a grocery store and some restaurants and stuff like that. Domino's pizza, which I'm sure had a great night, great couple nights there selling pizza after the show. Um, but you got right online, you know, there's some, some guys, you know, selling beers and kind of walking up and doing their thing. There was a small VIP parking lot that had like an absolute mini shakedown, but, uh, not your, your usual scene with a, with a big lot thing. And that's again, like we rolled up relatively close to showtime as far as my, uh, you know, my previous experience. And so we didn't feel like we missed out on too much. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's unique. And it's, it's it, the setting inside. I mean, just the second that the cameras turned on, uh, about 30 minutes before showtime on Tuesday night, you got this sense of like, okay, we're in for something like everybody is just on top of the band in this venue. Um, it's got the, it's got the look of like, if you compacted dicks and just brought that back, uh, that back wall right in the floor looks super, you know, super small, very narrow. And with, those seats that just seemed really high up, but like right over the band, it just seemed like there wasn't a bad seat in the house. My brother was there both nights and he was straight back at the top. And he was just like, this is, if I come to a tennis stadium to see fish, I'm sitting here every single time. It's direct on great lights, good sound. So it looked like the setting was awesome there. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we again, walked in relatively close to showtime Tuesday night, had the floor seats and like, I'm this kind of anxious person. I like to like go to where I'm going and get my spot and get set up. And it was close to show showtime. So I was pretty nervous. Like, oh, we're going to be in the back of the floor. And I'm thinking back of the floor at Dick's not the best spot in the world. Right. And I walked down there and it's a half full tennis court. Like think about <laughs> the size of that. So like That's... I, you know, we're literally right about where the net would have been on a tennis court. Um, I look up behind me and it's like as steep as, you know, some of the steepest venues I've been to Oak mountain in Birmingham. It's just like that super steep straight up. But what that gives you is just like the closeness to, to the band. I immediately yeah. think there's not a bad seat in the house, maybe except for the people on the left who are getting blasted by the sun for the first set. But, uh, the other than that, you know, not a bad seat in the house. The GA thing was great. And I would say that was like complete disaster. The last time they played in Charleston where the whole venue mm -hmm. was GA and like mm. you couldn't find a seat, but you also couldn't get to the floor because there were so many people trying to get to the floor. Mm. So like logistics wise, which is always, I don't know, anxiety producing, like they somehow nailed it on their first try here. Um, and I'll say the same thing, tennis arena, no matter where it is, I'm in for fish in tennis arenas going forward. <laughs> That's the lab I got from the webcast. I the anxiety aspect of a GA. I, I experience that every single year over Labor Day at Dick's, where I know the spot we want to get to. I know we can get to it. We don't have tickets to say these are our seats, but we're going to be able to get to it if we get in line at this point. And it's like two hours of are we going to get it? And then we get it, and I'm happy and everything's good then. But until then, you're just like, man, we we got to get in. So I know you got to um, got to feel that plant the flag and you know just know where home base is that alone exactly yeah, that's what yeah. i want i want a home yeah. base yeah um well let's jump into the show here so you saw tuesday and wednesday night tuesday kind of carried forward this larger theme that the band has been starting the tour with who knows how long this will last but uh starting the tour with uh a show opener that's not super expected set your soul free has definitely opened shows before but then they go off into a pretty extended jam. Um, 
This night opened with Cool It Down, which relatively rare. We heard it at Dick's last year. It's only been played 11 times, and this was the first time it was a show opener. Tell me your thoughts on seeing this. Yeah, I was psyched for it. I mean, I enjoyed the Set Your Soul Free opener, and I had kind of caught on, like you said, to this, okay, we're going to get something jammed out a little bit here to start the show, which I don't think anyone's arguing with that. Um, my first instinct when I heard the first kind of few notes of cool it down was like, Oh man, we're going to get like a 20 minute cool it down. This is going to be sick. Uh, it was still sick. It was a great, you know, it's one of those songs that starts to show almost like a soul shakedown party where like, if you're, mm. if you're paying attention, right, like everybody's locked in and engaged right away. Um, and I actually thought even though they were, were jamming, uh, set your soul free the first night, this grabbed the audience much faster. And I felt mm. like the, at least down where we were on the, on the, on the court, on the clay court, uh, everybody was really locked in from the yeah. start, which, Those which I can appreciate. Yeah. This song would, would have to recognize this is not an everyday and, uh, and, and they'd get down to it. Um, only a 28 show gap. So, so they did play it last fall, but still it's not frequently played and yeah what a great tune and i would have been stoked for that as an opener yeah i had a friend text me immediately as the show started like been chasing cool it down forever you lucky bastard (laughs) (laughs) i I got my first one at dick's last year and i like it was the same thing i freaked out i was just like this is super rare to hear this um when they were introing it i trey kept playing this little chord before they actually started the song. And I was like, it's either going to be no man or it's going to be cool it down just the way the chord sounded. And then the way they started cool it down, I was like, is this going to be the slowest no man in no man's land ever? And then they start singing it. Okay. No, this is awesome. This is super rare. Cool it down. Yep. Yeah, it was cool. I, uh, same thing where I was like, what is this? What is this? What is this? What? Oh, there it is. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, looking at the first set kind of as like a big picture, like I loved the way that this show introduced. You've got foam, which was really tightly played. The second knucklebone broth avenue that we've heard, and then dirt, um, and then it kind of goes into like songs that are on like the fringe of the rotation. What were some of the highlights for you as you were going through the first set? What, what did you like? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm a big foam fan probably of the earlier days of foam. I think there was probably a, has been a period of time where it's not always the tightest. So I was really excited to hear it played really well last night. Um, Knucklebone Broth Avenue. Like I, I was there with my wife who um, was not as up to date on the Vegas run and all the uh, sci-fi soldier stuff. So I was kind of like explaining that to her as we were getting into it, but you know, still cool to hear those tunes played for the first time for me. I was not in Vegas last year. Um I thought Gumbo was actually a huge highlight. That was, again, the point where I felt like, at least down on the floor, everybody like re-locked in and re-engaged and like the dancing really started. Like everyone was just kind of stomping around. I'm starting to think like uh, they're going to have to resurface this tennis court because people are <laughs> people are grooving and you get the whole sing along with Gumbo, which is awesome. Um, so that was that was a big highlight for me. Um, it's my birthday today. And so I felt like backwards on the oh, number really? line might've been for me too. you know, get one of those moments where everyone's like, Hey, it's your birthday. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, this is it. Happy, um, happy, yeah, thanks. Birth, happy birthday, um, thank you. Uh, so no, it was like, you know, song after song, just happy with them. And like, again, some people would say I want a longer, maybe more jammed out song in there, but these are, songs that you hear the first notes of and you're excited to hear them even if they're only going to be five or six minutes so like as far as a sunny happy first set goes like it was, it was a great list and then 
Um, yeah, yeah you're really was, getting it, at it right yeah. there. Is that like it's true? Absent big jams, which is a little bit of a departure from the previous shows of tour, but really great songs. Uh, and again, tight foam, really nice version of foam. Um, Knucklebone gets down a little bit. Uh, Dirt's beautiful. 555, as far as 3.0 mic songs, that's king. That song is good groove. I know plenty of people wander off to get a beer or whatever. Fine. They're missing it. That's okay. They were back in time for Gumbo, which I'm sure they were excited for too. Number line, Wedge, about to run rips. And then the first Divided Sky closer, set one closer since 03, I believe. July 03. So that's rad. Totally. Solid first set. Totally solid. And if they're going to do this whole no repeat thing on the spring tour, like they got to work these songs in and they were well played versions of all of them. Even like you said, uh, there's not a like clear go get a beer song for me in this set. In fact, I sent my wife to go get the beer because I was, I was in it. (laughs) I was feeling it. So, uh, you know, you can't complain about them playing the songs. Well, like you get the dancing, you get the tunes that, you know, some, they're not like, super common either like all of these um there's not like a sigh and a okay let me chat with my friends and and wander off kind of thing um but to that set closer the divided sky you know which i was saying before i don't think i'd ever seen a divided sky closer in any capacity um they pulled off flawlessly um i thought that that was you know obviously played really well the pause like that crowd it kind of was like, uh, okay, they're going to do the pause thing. And then Trey extended the pause. And then he started looking around the stadium and he's like close to everybody because everybody's close to him. And it got louder and louder and louder and louder to the point where like, like they could just keep this going and this would actually be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he pulled it off, you know, ripped it at the end there, but the last few minutes of that divided sky closed the set like you would want it to. Um, which, you know, bringing that kind of energy into a divided sky at the end is just an awesome, fun way to, to close it out that nobody was really expecting. I noticed that aspect last night more than I did on Tuesday, where Trey seemed to really appreciate how close everybody was to the band. And I, I saw it, you know, they play this, I thought, a great version of Knucklebone Broth Avenue. And then they kind of come, they bring it down, and he's just looking up at the upper deck and he just looks like he's like lost in space for a moment, just like a pre- trying to soak in the moment, really appreciate it. And as he's doing that, he's strumming the opening chords to dirt, just a really, you know, sentimental song, a song that really tugs at the heartstrings. And you could see it was kind of a moment where he was like, wow, you know, how lucky we are to be brand new stadium for us. Everybody's right here. Like you can actually like feel the crowd in a setting like that. Um, you know, I think about like the next venue that they're playing, Deer Creek. I love it. It's an amazing venue, but the 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 majority of the crowd is spread out from the band. This is the type of setting where it feels almost like a small room for them to be playing in, which is such a rare thing for fish these totally. days. Totally. I, I picked up on that too, where it was almost like one of two things. Trey looking up and up again was like to the top of this very steep bleacher set with a gigantic american flag blowing in the wind the people who were up top i wasn't up there said you know they're overlooking all those sort of low country rivers and they can see the bridge in the distance for charleston like a super cool view so trey's looking up there you know for dirt and some of the um i don't know more slower moments but the sort of more like take it in moments 
And then for that that floor, right? You've got a small floor. Everybody's got room to dance. Everybody seems like they're in a good spot. He was right there, locked in with us, kind of right up front um, for some of the you know more uh, ferocious jamming that happened later in the night. And uh, I don't know. He seemed to be like you said, soaking it in, taking it in. And uh, they've obviously played a ton of venues, but each of these new ones probably provides some some interesting backdrops drops for them too. Yeah, I mean, what a contrast that Deer Creek, they played for, you know, they first played it 27 years ago. Yeah. Um, I was there. And and now here they're at a, you know, brand new place and it's just so different. And even quite a bit different from where they were a few nights ago. So, yeah, yeah that's that's got to be kind of a fun experience for them. I was also thinking just like a couple more notes about this first set, like, you know, they've jammed a lot in this tour thus far, and they've jammed a lot in the first set in ways that have slightly become commonplace in the last year or so of fish. And I don't say commonplace in a way of like, Hey, don't do that. Like, I like that as commonplace, but you know, they've kind of reached this point in the tour where it's, if they've decided, or if they're just rolling with this idea of no repeats, they've they've left themselves a lot of opportunities to just play a bunch of songs. They only have four shows left. So you're getting this different vibe in these Charleston shows where they're playing a bunch of songs, not necessarily focused on every single one of them needs to jam because they don't need to necessarily eat up the time or they want to play certain songs they don't typically play. So you get a cool first set like this where none of these songs are necessarily in the immediate rotation but they give them a chance to re-explore them. And I think specifically about to run in this slot, you know, that's a song that they're still trying to figure out where does this song go? What is the possibility with this song? It's still relatively new. This was the first first set version since uh, last August in Nashville. It was a really cool spot for it right before divided sky. And just like seemed to inject some energy into the overall set. Yeah. Trey definitely took uh, about to run for a little bit of a, a ride last night, which I thought was cool. I actually thought that was going to be the set closer, which I don't know if Same. I had mixed, mixed feelings about it, but I was like, okay, this, you know, this, this fits, this works. Um, so totally you know, works. Any, any song where Trey rips, which is probably about half of them could be a closer if, you know, they put the right mustard on the end, right? Yeah, that was it. And so they didn't exactly put the right mustard on the end. And then I heard the first few notes to divided sky and I was like, Oh, well, obviously I'm in for this, but, but uh, no, it was cool. And again, like in contrast, I don't, you know, Tuesday night was great in its own way, but there's two ways that fish sort of gets the, the flow going. One of them is obviously jamming, but this was like almost like programming that awesome set list that mm. the songs did flow into each other, despite the fact that they were different songs and none of them were too short. None of them were too long. Uh, it felt like the audience was, was really engaged, which, you know, is one of the things that I can appreciate. Well, I want to say something, Brian, you kind of touched on this. I don't want to get into it um, about the rarity of the songs they played. So looking at the gap chart for set one, you have a couple songs that were last played at Dick's to open up the show. Um, then what one song, yeah, Knucklebone Broth last played on Halloween and then, and then one song from the summer and everything else is already played this year. So the shortest gap is five show gap divided sky from 423. Um, but if you look at the second set, which I know we're going to get in depth on, uh, all but the last three songs 
which really is not that many songs because they repeat a couple, uh, are all from 423. They were hmm. all played interesting the same night, um, which is unusual, I actually, I think, particularly as it's, it's only five shows ago. Yeah. To see that many kind of locked in together. But it worked. I think uh, overall they achieved a pretty solid set too. Um, and I'd like to hear what I'd like to hear what you think about that one, Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, it's an unusual year for Fish having so many shows by mid late May or early June that it is right now, right? At least in three point um, Okay, they got the Mexico run and the the New Year's slash April run, which uh, are unusual. So yeah, I guess that sets up some some interesting kind of gap stuff there, but. Um, I thought, you know, at least as far as this two night Charleston run goes, set two was the the crown jewel um, of the of the whole shebang. I thought the Wilson opener again coming off of that first set where you had everybody super engaged, like there was no let's just meander back to our seats and start the second set off slow. It it popped right into it, and everybody's obviously there for it. Um, and then simple, right? Like simple was easily the best jam for me of the last two nights. Um, I think no questions asked there. Uh, but the same thing, you get the, you know, locked in sing along at the beginning. People are psyched for those first few notes and then uh, they just took off with it. Um, so, you know, that, that old two spot in the second set. You going had to crazy. feel the jam coming, didn't you? You were like, yeah. it's going to oh, happen, yeah. it's here, right? Well, so, and yeah, I was thinking about that. Like I have in my mind, like definitive versions of songs, like, you know, that is the definitive jam of that song from that year, whatever it was. And I don't have that for simple, at least in 3.0. And so I thought like, oh, maybe this will be it. I think it probably will end up. I haven't re-listened to it yet, but I think um, at least being there, it was, it was that for me. Um, the light jam on, on Tuesday night was, was great, but this was somehow better, um, <laughs> at least in my, my own little mind. This reminded me, in a sense, of um, the tweezer from uh, the Alabama run on Sunday. Um, I kind of – Jonathan and I were texting about this. I, I called it a kitchen sink jam where it was just kind of like Trey was throwing everything that he's got in his arsenal at this jam, seeing does something land, does something work. Um and everything kind of seemed to work in its own way. You had a lot of like little segments within that overall jam that were really, really cool. You had the um, – emphasis on the synth pedal but then that moves into like a really melodic zone so he moves away from the synth pedal and they start to build it up into a peak and then and joshua harding saying don't sleep on the piper jam we're getting there man yeah, piper yeah. jam ruled as well one jam um, at a time one jam <laughs> one at a time, time. <laughs> but like i felt like this this jam kind of it reminded me in a sense of uh, maybe yeah, I, I guess this works like the simple from Dick's last year where they get into this groove that is just infectious and it almost is like, um, do you guys remember the Carini from Hampton 2013 that just comes out of nowhere in the second set and just explodes into this beautiful, just like uplifting candy colored jam. This felt like that, but yeah. you know, Trey has more toys in his arsenal at this point in time. And the band, you know, they've got nine years of playing and, and, and learning about each other and evolving since 2013. So, um, I don't know, this was a total dive and it felt like the right time in the show for a jam, but also felt like they just were, they were feeling it. Yeah. One guy's opinion, but it also felt like Trey really took the, leadership position again i mean you could almost see him he would drop a little bit of a groove 
And then he'd like, kind of give a look to Mike and Mike would pick up that base groove to then give Trey a chance to move on to the next thing. So he was almost calling the plays yeah. to the other guys in the band building on it. Um, it, it was, it was cool. He, he kept that theme of that kind of, you know, the riff that he kind of picked up on early in the jam, kept coming back to it, calling back to it so that it wasn't this, you know, random meandering. Um, but it felt really complete and really whole and, you know, had an amazing peak there at the end that, you know, whatever it was, 23 minutes later, pulled it all together, even with the simple vocals back in at the end. Yeah. I love that. He, he managed to get back there and it was not, um, jarring in any way it worked uh, it yeah, totally it worked. worked but totally also, worked because he did it like in a higher register and like yeah, yeah. you could see i don't know if he's listening to like or reading the reviews of this stuff but he had a like shit-eating grin on his face like ear to ear of like i found it and it worked yeah, yeah. trey's watching right now um <laughs> so I, we okay. approve we give you so. the blessing that's how you return to a song trey but but the uh, I, I like what you said about the this kitchen sink thing and not in a derogatory way. It was you know a jam that moved through space. I listened to it you know first time kind of passively um, and enjoyed it, and then I went back and I was like I want to hear. And I literally I, at first I went, I hit play and then I just started skipping like three or four minutes ahead, and each time it, they were in a very different space every few minutes, and so you hear like you know, weird synth stuff and you hear oh, major, major key peak stuff you hear. And I'm, these are not in order. And then, and you hear, you know, Trey's hitting all of the delays at once and starts playing the descending riff that kind of what a spirals off into nothingness. And you hear, you know, just different things all throughout. I just really like that. I like the way he did that. And, um, and I was a little surprised. I'd like, I didn't watch last night. So I was a little surprised to hear that they ended it. And really just were like, that's done now. Yeah. Yeah. And took a breath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was, be. it was good because it was a complete jam. It did. It had the whole package. And so it could sit on its own. I think, you know, sometimes there is that anticipation of like, what's next, what's next, what's next. But we kind of had it all packed into that, into that jam. So there was, I don't know. I, uh, at least that brief moment to like appreciate it, take a deep breath, give some stranger a high five and then, and then move on with your night. And it's interesting with Caspian. Cause you would think that there's a fade at that point in time, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting moment where it's, you always wonder when there's a segue or even a fade into another jam or another song, was there one more section and you like that the band could have achieved, like, could they have found something else? Had they just, played another 30 seconds or so and when they close a jam like that and you just have like the isolated jam you kind of walk away being like that was it that's the statement everything was good and i could just put that on and hear that all in that segment um but they're not done with us but they're not (laughs) because right you know prince caspian has been around for 26 years at this point in time a debut no 20 27 years debuted in 1995 has never once not gotten shit for just existing and just finding its way into a show. Just like, and yet, and just like you and just, and yet like, I would love for people to look at the recent history of Prince Caspian. When the song appears, there are, I don't have the exact stats here, 
but there are some incredible, incredible versions of Prince Caspian from the last five, six years, going back to Magnaball when they had played that amazing version out of Tweezer, Mexico 16, uh, uh, Pittsburgh 17, on and on. I mean, like even versions that don't totally jam, there's great, great segments within. And I thought last night, like right when they move out of the uplifting solo, Trey immediately goes into the darkness and that's where we get the egg in a hole Piper Prince Caspian type of stuff. Yeah. Starting, you know, I'm not one of those people that rolls their eyes at Caspian. It's um, so I have two kids and well, I would, when they were little babies, uh, infants, like I would turn on starting with Billy Breeze and play the rest of that album with them. So Caspian was just part of that. Yeah. It's a really nice way to put a like three month old to sleep for you and maybe for the baby. Um, so like, I have no, nothing but, but good feelings about that. Um, I will say, like I said, you have the definitive versions, the Magna ball Caspian is like the one for me. Um, so again, like you, you have that, you're excited for it. Um, I didn't hear moans and groans around me, but I also wasn't looking for them, but they, they took it. <laughs> and just like you said, they did what they should have. That simple jam was ended super light and bright and complete. And Caspian kind of got dark and dirty real quick. And um, you know, you, sometimes that's, that's the right thing to do. And the band always seems to know. Uh, and then the, the egg in a hole, you know, just came out of complete left field for me, like wasn't expecting it. I'm thinking this is going to be another complete jam of a single song. Um, and so I was, I was thrown off by that in, in kind of a great way and, and enjoyed that too, but also dark and dirty and grungy, which was, was fun. Egg in a hole is so weird. I, you know, I, <laughs> I like that they got there in just the like five minutes. Caspian is the first pass on Caspian is five minutes, 18 seconds on live fish. And they don't mess around, you know, they get trade kind of goes dark and weird instead of flying through the really, uh, you know, the, the high uplifting notes. And sometimes he does with Caspian, instead of spending all his staying there, he gets right down and dirty and, and all of a sudden we're getting egg in a hole and got to get back to Chicago. Um, it kind of fits the same spot as um, like death. Don't hurt very long where yeah. they could be playing a groove and just be like, we're just going to throw this in there. It's, it kind of harkens back to like 1994 fish absurdity where like yeah. we're in a jam, but also like if you're, if you're not hip to fish, if, if you're not, you know, if you're just like checking out a show or going to a concert and, you know, you're kind of going to be freaked out at this point in time, everyone else, like, you know, to your point, you're not expecting egg in a hole. And so it adds, you know, you've listened to the Halloween show, you know, exactly what's going on. Like you're still thrown off. And so everybody in the venue is like, what exactly is going on right now? What are they yelling about? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, um, the, I saw it again as another song that, you know, kind of mm. reminds me of the way they use that sometimes just kind of jam. They find themselves in a heavy space and then there it is. Or in 94, it was probably big black furry creatures from Mars. So, Yeah. We're also finding out now for the first time, like how these Halloween sci-fi soldier songs are going to exist outside of that yeah, set totally. and that theme, which is a really cool place to be. I remember when it happened for the, the chilling thrilling songs where it was, you know, uh, just, I don't know, Martian monster for the first time kind of coming alive outside of that context. This was a really cool way to see that. And it's in a weird way, like you inject it into what is already another song. It's like the, the 
not getting ahead of ourselves, but like the Guy Ferget thing or like a Mantica, like just sort of um, finding a way to insert a song that maybe two or three years from now, another egg in a hole pops up in a weird spot in the jam and everyone's like, oh, this is happening, you know? And it's really interesting to hear these songs in isolation from each other as well, because, you know, you think about the um, sci-fi soldiers, like it all felt like a very complete record the first time that they play, you know, when they play it on Halloween, but it all feels very sonically like connected. Similar, right? Yeah. Then you take Knucklebone and you put that in the first set, you take Egg in a Hole, you throw that in some jams, the unwinding has gone into some jams and you start to hear like, all these songs in a slightly different way, the way that you heard the wingsuit songs in a different way or chilling, thrilling, like you said, or casual box where you start to hear them a part of the fish catalog rather than a part of this isolated set that was played one time. And most likely none of them will be played in that order ever again. So it, it, it adds some depth to these songs in a really cool way. Yep. Which ones are going to kind of make the rotation too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yep. I'm still, you know, there's, there's a few I'm still waiting to hear. And, uh, I I'm hoping over the next couple of nights, we get some debuts on them. Cause there were some great moments from that, uh, from that overall set. Um, we moved into Piper, which I'm just looking at the jam chart of Piper. This will clearly make the jam chart and this will be the sixth version since they came back last summer. We've got August 1st from Alpharetta, August 15th from Atlantic city, uh, 1015 Sacramento, the often overlooked jam highlight of that uh, really bizarre Sacramento tour opener that operated in some ways slightly like last night, where it was just like, what song are they playing right now? What is happening here? Um, Chula Vista, 1023. I was at that show. It was almost 18 minutes, and it sounded like 2.0 fish in the best ways possible. And then um, 423.22 from New York, which was a great version, uh, also out of Caspian. So this was kind of Caspian and Piper always seem to kind of find each other. There's that like drifting on the, on the open seas feel to them. But I thought last night's ruled. It got very noisy. It got very cacophonous. It kind of threw me back to parts of the tweezer, uh, threw me back to parts of, um, night one, the, uh, 2001, there were some like really weird kind of sonic moments, but what were your thoughts on this part of the show? Yeah, this was, uh, another absolute highlight along with the simple, um, everybody looks at me because my company is called Piper. And so it is a absolute favorite song of mine. It is not necessarily like the one I'm always chasing, but I mean, I freaking love it. Um, so, so you always get the smiles and I get a whole bunch of texts right away as they're, they're starting to play it. Um, I had a, I actually text literally 30 seconds before as they're kind of going through, uh, out of the, the, um, Sorry, I got a whole um, portion of the of the uh, of the show. I said, uh, you know, Piper here would be would be sick, and there it was. So, <laughs> yeah, I had the call. Um, no, it, it had again sonically super different than Simple. Um, yeah, which which was great too, right? So you get something different. You got the kind of dark and grungy for a moment there with the Caspian and the egg in a hole, and this was just like. I don't know. It felt like the speakers were modulating and doing th- different things on my left and my right. Um, I think just timing wise, like 13 minutes was the perfect length there. Cause we'd already had sort of a, a longer, you know, extended jam on simple. Um, but the same kind of thing where it felt like a complete 
song a complete jam it had a middle a beginning and an end um and wrapped it right back up where um i think we've come to expect that out of piper where it's gonna kind of go way off and then somehow they always find a way to land it so i i don't know i thought it was uh was stellar i agree i thought it was great here and uh as my, my six and a half year old son's middle name is piper and every time the song starts he loses his mind and i got a great video at home of trey singing the chorus my son freaking out in the in the corner and i was just like this is this is it this is why we do fish as a young dad um but yeah no this was a killer I've version got a piper too you got a Piper graduated. too. We all, it's we're a all great Piper name. Show. We're Piper. This is a perfect yeah. show. Team Piper. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's there as like, there's like five fish songs. I could hear every single show and never get sick and tired of it. Piper's right there. Like, how do you complain about those chord combinations? And then the jam, it's just amazing stuff. Yeah. Well, the jam, I mean, it's such an open-ended free form canvas for them to play on right like there's not yeah. an expected version of it right there's what is the studio version of it i mean what is that anyway right like it's right. it's become its own right. thing so like you hear the first notes you know it's going in a direction but you have no idea which one um and it you know it kept us moving kept us dancing kept us on our toes perfect timing yeah i feel like trey introduced it on the virginia beach 97 show when he like went through all the new songs everybody heard. He was like, you know, the one that rose up and then just kind of faded away. Like wasn't even there. Like that's Piper. And yeah. it, like, is that like the structure there should be like a conclusion to that song. If you're like a normal band writing it, but fish is not a normal band. So they're just like, we're just going to leave this open and see what happens. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. I mean, they, yeah, they do kind of end it on the record, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of like fades down. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it did have a little bit of the, the 2.0 vibes to it last night too, where they, you know, Trey got into sort of the just like setting yes. off the, yeah. the, the motion on it where, um, you know, they, they kept to it and they called back to it, which again, like hallmarks of, of why they're so great, but um, totally. found a theme, explored it, took it way in some cool sonic directions, like I said, and, uh, and was unique and different and fun. It was a great moment and we we as we move into the back half of the set you know lonely trip has become this very I'll say expected but it's it's it, when it, when it starts up you're like yep now's the ballad spot now's the spot to start to reflect a bit about what we've heard this far it's such a great song and does a good job of transitioning us towards the the end of the set what what were some of your highlights as we go through lonely trip back on the train most events aren't planned and blaze on yeah i i Back on the train is always a favorite for me. Again, just getting people moving and dancing. It was, like I said, I expect to see that or hear that song, you know, maybe early mid first set in most of yeah. the time. So like, again, these were weird shows that the ticket started at 630 the night before they were done like a little bit after 10. So I was looking at my, at my phone, at my clock thinking, is this a closer? Like I've never heard of back on the train closer. Where are we going with this? Um, but you know, quickly sort of forgot about time and didn't really care anymore. Um, Good. It, I don't know. I thought that. Yeah, right. Uh, just trying to you know enjoy the moment. Which back on the train, like seven minute, what you would expect. It just ripped and it was um, smooth and fun and brought it back right after the the kind of slower moment with uh, with lonely trip. Um, most events aren't planned. I think. Again, I'm thinking, is this the closer? This could be the closer. They can find a way to, you know, absolutely take this one to the moon. Um, 
as far as, you know, Trey kind of putting down those beats. So like these were unexpected moments, unique moments that I had not experienced before. Um, finally closing with blaze on too, which at that point I'm like, okay, maybe this is just going to be a crazy long second set and they're just going to keep going and keep playing more. Um, but they found the way to just bring the absolute heat for blaze on and close out the show the way you'd expect. So super fun. Uh, right back to that theme of the first set where yes, it was more songs, but it was more songs played really well, really completely. Um, and, and, you know, keeping the audience engaged in a way that I think was missing a little bit the night before. I think the timing on these shows, like I felt like that's what happened the first night, right? It kind of threw the band off a little, Yeah, like it felt too early. Yeah. And just, I think that's where, you know, they were like this set, is done is it is should it be and then, you know, <laughs> we and then they came it? Yeah. and it was like oh we have that much time okay and and so they you know you got it in the encore and they, that kind of maybe happened again right um but before we get to the encore i i want to say i want to shout out rj who has been you know predicting that lonely trip would come out of some jamming and i guess i think he kind of gets that here it follows some jamming it didn't really it didn't roll right into it but uh I, I think I, you could think of that simple to lonely trip segment as like yeah. a big jam. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think the lonely trip fit in the scene in the venue, like we were talking oh, about yeah. before, it is super peaceful. Trey again, had that look to the, to the yeah. back of the audience, which is right in front of his face. We're all in the water, you know, we're out here kind of in the low country settled away from, you know, some of the normal stuff that, you know, the, the fish community and the band kind of plays in normally. So I thought setting wise, it was a really cool, peaceful moment to kind of regroup. Nice. And then, yeah, the, then they rip a little back on the train. Most events aren't planned. I, I am just dying for them to just take that, like go yeah. for it guys. I mean, the first one was 10 minutes. It's the only one on the jam chart. And I mean, this one was only eight and they could, it's, it's got the room. They just need to, Maybe maybe in the summer, they'll find the right the right space where they can just kind of keep going. But uh... I'm looking because I'm right there with you. I'm looking at the gaps of this song. It was played at the Baker's Dozen. It was played three shows later to close out um, Dick's 2017 and that show. Then we've got a 17, 29, 14, 37, 13, and 26 show gap. That is a song I would I would love to see come into that like five to ten show range where it stops being rare and it's like and, and in the last four versions, including last night, were all played late in the second set where like they don't have a ton of time left at that point in time. Um, you know, who knows, you know, from a from an overall uh, uh, curfew time. Like they don't have the ability to really close out a show or to, to take it on the journey that they want. They did. That here, sounds though. like just like Mike is predicting, like if they were predict was thinking, right. If they hadn't, if they had just gone with that, they could have landed it with a good finish. And yes, see, Scotty, Scotty King, King speaks the truth. Here. Yeah. Correct. Why won't they jam most events? A new deal circle circa 2002 page. Once this, I feel it. I, I mean, why is he lugging around all of these synthesizers? If not to take one of his, you know, synthesizer, heavy dance jam songs, signature songs, big ass jam. Yeah. That's what the people want. Yeah, but the, people the people what want. want. <laughs> it, it is like, you know, it, I always joke that it's like the page EDM song, but like right. Trey looked at page page started it. 
everybody was, you know, into it. And I'm not, you know, yes, they cut it short. We're kind of talking about they didn't jam it. Um, but there was ample space there, uh, I thought, for, Next time, for something, something different. Yeah, right. Look, what we need is like an 18-minute, most events aren't planning to kick off set two, that segues into an 18-minute, I always wanted it this way. And it'd be like the 40-minute start to the second set, all page focus, synth, Landed keyboard. passing through right in the middle just to, you know. Oh, there you go. Just to get you move, from yeah. one end to the other. I like it. I like it. Um, so they come out for the encore here, and they play a song that has only been played, I think, Eight times. I've only seen it once. Nothing. Yeah. Just a lovely little faux ballad from Undermind that uh, I think is one of their strongest. If you want to take anything 2.0 and later as like late era fish, I think it's one of their strongest songs from the last 20 years. It's a great yeah. song. It's an awesome tune. It's one of those, again, like you said, hasn't been played live much. So I would love to be a fly in the wall for the conversation of like, hey, let's play this let's bring it back let's practice it because they nailed it too like it was yeah. played really well beautifully um so unexpected there but that was also like you know context clues of like okay we're gonna have more than a single song encore here right yeah. right you know that you're gonna get a couple songs there and the encore features two uh legitimate bust ads nothing was last played january 15th 2017 158 shows and then the okipa ceremony which i didn't realize this until looking at the notes before we went live last played october 20th 2018 hampton uh 108 shows that's a big gap for it i i i can't remember a time when maybe i'm about to just you know totally no this is well, By far the longest gap that there's ever been for the Okipa ceremony. This is crazy. I'll tell you, Dave Steinberg, uh, our uh, you know the stats guru, uh, he actually was talking about this on Twitter this morning because he was surprised at how long it had been since he'd last seen uh, the song. I don't think he was at the Hampton one. Um, it might have been Dick's 2013 or something like that. But uh, y'all can look it up if you if that detail matters. But his point to it was that when he started seeing fish in the in the early 90s they played it all the time yeah like all the time like we're talking one two show gaps. a lot of one show gaps yeah yeah like constantly it was always paired with Susie. they were playing right. Susie a lot and so in his brain it's a song that they he sees every few shows even though that's really hasn't been true for actually quite a while um, you know, you kind of get trained to that. And I think that's part of what, what's happening there with you, Brian. You're like, how has it been 107, 108 shows? Well, they just, they, they're playing a shit ton of other songs. They just didn't get to that one. Right. I <laughs> yeah. I'm still, looking at surprising. I'm looking at it right now. The, the, there are two comparable gaps. It's just the hundred show gap that like really makes it crazy. But, uh, from eight 30, 2013 to six twenty eight twenty sixteen. It was 98 shows that they hadn't played it. And then from 7.499 to 9.14.2000, it was 96 shows. So it, it's had two significant gaps, and, and it's been rarer in recent years. But, like, cross that 100-show mark, like, that little ditty, that used to open a lot of fish shows in the early 90s. If you hear a lot of shows from that era, you talked about the Susie pairing right afterwards. Um, I mean, it was – it was very cool to hear it in that slot last night. The encore adds a little bit of additional energy right after 
two ballads and nothing and, and circus. But what were your thoughts on the encore? For sure. Yeah. Um, so my wife had been requesting Susie Greenberg, you know, for the second half of the show. And, um, she's a, she's a fan. She's not as well versed in the history and the song histories. And so when I heard Okipa ceremony, I kind of gave her a wink and a nudge. She had no idea what I was talking about because she was looking for Susie Greenberg. So like, I was, you know, I wasn't a thousand percent sure. I think that Okipa has preceded other songs like ever in its history, right? Yes. So uh, it does um, most recently during the Baker's Dozen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right, exactly. So like, I thought, okay, there's like a, I don't know, five ten percent chance that we're we're not getting Susie Greenberg, but like such a, I don't know, cool, welcome, unique thing. And for a lot of people, I get the sense that this Charleston show, you know, look, it's the southeast, and fish comes here once or twice a year. Um, I imagine that the vast majority of folks were hearing it either for the first time or for the first time in a very, very long time, um, which is, is fair and fun and cool and different. Um, which like at this point is what I'm all, all about for these shows. So, um, I loved it. I appreciated it right into that Susie Greenberg, which just, you know, brought the house down, big sing along white lights, having an awesome time. Trey with just a smile, absolutely ear to ear on his face. Like, I can't believe this is happening kind of thing, you know? I mean, we've talked about this and like Trey is one to wear his emotions on his, on his sleeve, you know, especially in this era of fish, but like he looked really happy in the second set last night. Like he, they looked comfortable in the setting. They looked like they were enjoying the songs that they were playing and you know, they, they're, they, they're more outwardly uh, gracious when they close out a run, you know, thank you guys so much. We love you. But like there was a, we would love to be back here, you know, as soon as possible, whenever you'll have us back type of thing. And at the end, we kind of got the sense of like, they wanted to play one more show in Charleston, which, which is always a good way to close out a run. Totally. No, it felt like I said, like he, they were having a great time. The audience was reciprocating and clearly having a great time. The, the entire place is close enough that you could wave to individuals and say thank you to individuals all around the, <laughs> the stands. So like, I don't know, there's something about, again, we started the conversation about the venue. There was something yeah. cool and unique and different about this venue that brought an entirely different energy and perspective to, to the shows that I had not experienced, obviously. Um, but even for a lot of these outdoor shows, I'm so used to amphitheaters. I'm so used to, you know, a stage and then a pit and then seats and a lawn that this was just a completely different welcome change that um, I, like you say, you know, just, just brought the band closer physically to the, to the entire audience in a way that, uh, you know, had some, some, some nonverbal communication there and mutual respect that, that they, you know, obviously thrive on. Nice. I wonder, you know, Charleston's a safe market for fish. It's out of the way, but it's, they've played there enough. People go there. It's a destination type of venue or type of uh, location. I wonder though, for this band, if um, you think about the Southwest, I saw the Southwest run last year and I was in an amphitheater in Phoenix. I was at the forum in LA. That whole part of the country has a lot of tennis courts and there's a lot of tennis tournaments down there and a lot of tennis stadiums. You know, they can't do something in New York. You got to play MSG in New York type of thing or Jones Beach. But I wonder if these like out of the way markets, they might start to look at this tennis court, tennis stadium type of setting because it's small enough, but it feels big when you're in there. I think uh, a little bit of that has to do with who's promoting. So you've got to have somebody who wants to put on a show in this place. Sure. So, yeah, I, I just talking to, to some local folks like 
they've had some pretty big names at that stadium already. It was clearly built as a tennis stadium, but also as a concert venue, mm-hmm. right? Which I think was really smart on their part. Um, so like you said, you got the right people doing it. I don't know of many other tennis stadiums, period, right? Yeah. So I don't know, like you said, if maybe it's the soccer stadiums or maybe there's some other new venues coming, uh, you know, a decade from now, maybe we'll have some pickleball arenas or something that they can play. In. <laughs> but we're like, we'll, we'll see what's next. Once, but, uh, once highlight yeah. takes off, there will right, be exactly. a bunch of opportunities there. Yeah, no, well, but, you know, the sheds, uh, they're all getting old. So they are getting old. Yeah. It's we'll time see. to look around, but they've we'll got the formula. Happens. Yeah. And this, again, this Charleston experience, like the staff clearly knew what to expect and nailed it. Like getting in and out was super easy, despite the nice. parking being kind of far away, like zero stress on logistics. And nice. it was different. Yeah. There wasn't a big shakedown or anything, but, um, appreciated for this sort of semi beach venue that, uh, was parked right in the middle of my family vacation. <laughs> you know, and the uh, the timing on the shows, we were talking about this earlier, probably didn't hurt the family vacation element because you could still get home and get to bed at a reasonable hour for a change. Totally. Yep. Yeah, yeah there was no, no crazy late nights. And, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Like, I, I'm lost in what day it is at this point on vacation. But um, the Tuesday, Wednesday thing, like, yeah, it was, it was not a crazy late night. Uh, given that Daniel Island probably shuts down at about 9 p.m. on a normal a normal <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> well, now the band moves. They move from two beachside venues to uh, their old standby in the cornfields, Deer Creek. We've got three nights this weekend. Um, Mike, are you seeing any more shows this year, or was this it for you in 2022? Never say never. I think um, <laughs> I, I, I grew up in D.C., so I still got Meriwether circled as a possibility later this summer. Um, holding out hope for a, for a fall tour and a return to Atlanta, which is home for me. Um, but, uh, that's all I've got as far as tickets in hand. So uh, about satisfied, like loved every minute of this. This was great. That's the key. You walk away. If if it's the only two shows you see, you walk away seeing some songs you wanted to see, some jams that really blew your mind and a lot of music to dig into for the rest of the year while following the remainder of the tour. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Listening. Yep. Well, Mike, it was a total pleasure having you on. Um, any last thoughts about the Charleston run? I hope that the uh, the Credit One Tennis Stadium is the new the new standby for uh, for Charleston. I think is a big upgrade over the over the uh, North Charleston Coliseum. Uh, more Southeast fish is good for for folks like me, so I'm going to be rooting for that. Um, but like I said, satisfied, fun time, completely unique experience. Parked right here in the middle of a family vacation. Um, warm, warm weather, um, great, great set start to the summer and, uh, those Deer Creek shows should be pretty sick. Yeah. Very, very excited for what's to come this weekend, but really, really enjoyed these, this weeknight shows here. Um, we'll we'll let you get back to your family vacation. Enjoy it. Fish can let you go free at this point in time to, uh, to enjoy the remainder of your time with the, with, uh, with the family. (laughs) Enjoy it, man. And we'll, uh, we'll talk with you a little bit further down the road. Thanks fellas. Take care. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. You know, I was thinking as, as we were talking through this, uh, this show, I was looking at the average show gaps total of the overall run. So last night was 23.4 average, a uh, couple average show. really push it over, you know, a couple really well pushed over if it weren't for those two songs, I think. 
I, I totally agree. But if you look at, uh, so the night before was 10.84. The night before the final night in uh, Alabama was 9.89. The second night was 27.89. You get a 285 show gap with my my mind's got a mind, which, which pushes it over. But a lot of three, five show gaps in the second set. And night one was 11.42. I have a prediction. It's probably going to be wrong, but we are about to see some bust outs come at Deer Creek. Yeah, but we're also going to see, I mean, there's a lot of like staples still on, I want to address this a little bit. You know, people have been talking on the internets. You've heard of the internets. um, I've heard of it. You know, the pros and cons of no repeats. And, you know, I think people who are going to Deer Creek, some of them are like, oh, they're they're not going to be any songs left. And that's why they play all these, you know, the set with a bunch of this first set with a bunch of short songs and da, da, da. They're wrong. They're wrong. Lizards on the table. And that's to specifically answer Joel's question right there. How many games Henge songs have been played? He's right. Not a lot. Uh, Lizards on the table. Down with disease is on the table. Um, I don't know. Just, I'm spitting, but there's, there's everything's sh- right still on the table. Everything's right is still on the table, and you know that has a what Brian likes to call a high batting average. Quite. Um, <clears throat> David Bowie's on the table. Uh, a David Bowie the, jam. Still David on Bowie the table. jam is. I don't know if it's on the table, Brian. I'm really. Not sure. <laughs> I want it to just, be. I'm here with you, be. putting it out in the universe. <laughs> um, Runaway Jim is still missing. Uh, lots of, there's really lots of great songs left for Fish to play. And I think that everybody who's going to Deer Creek is, they're in for a good time. They're in for a great time. And I'm just, I'm looking back through, uh, if you go back to, let's go back to the forum. Well, before, I, I, we have to credit joel here joel schooling who's been commenting along with us past few shows you enjoy myself is still on the table split open melt is on the table thank you ben yes so and and we could could go on and on um but you yeah i was just like i was i was just going back into the fall tour and i don't want to get too much into the weeds but because i agree with you there's a lot of songs that are still on the table and there's also a lot of this is the moment in a if they do a no repeats where they've kind of set themselves up with a lot of songs that are usually in the rotation are now off limits if they want to do this. And what it means is a, there's a lot of very promising songs still in play to be played. Um, songs that take up a lot of real estate in terms of jamming that offer a lot of opportunities for exploration, but also a lot of one-offs that we just simply haven't heard yet before. So here's the thing. The howling is on the table. The howling's on the table. Fish and Deer Creek goes together like fish and dicks or like fish and MSG or like fish and Meriwether Post. You may not see the greatest fish show you've ever seen in these venues if you go on like a one-off night, but there's always a chance in the air that they're just going to walk out on stage and like Friday night last year at Deer Creek, you were going to walk away from that show being like, that might've been the best fish show I've ever seen, depending on when you started seeing this band, where you're at. Like they play shows at a, at a venue like Deer Creek that are on par with some of the best venues that they, you know, the best shows they play fish in the gorge type of thing where when they play these venues, they they feel it. The fans feel it. 
And it doesn't really matter what songs are played. And I think that's another lesson is like, we're in an era of fish where it doesn't matter what songs are played and that, and they're still going to pr- provide really good music for us. So um, I'm excited for this weekend. We will be back on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, depending on where you, you, you see us. We've got some great guests lined up for this weekend. We'll be doing our Sunday night pre-show set break hang as well as we bid adieu to this spring tour that the band has been on. Um, It's been a ton of fun covering this tour. Uh, I really have enjoyed what we've heard from the community, what we've seen from the band, what we've heard from the band. So we'll see you back here on Saturday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern to recap night one at Deer Creek. And as the fan 91 said, sacred grounds and you couldn't be more right yeah that is as accurate a statement as you could possibly make about this um lastly before we go our sponsors at sunset lake cbd it's a majority employee-owned hemp farm located just outside of burlington vermont for years sunset lake was a dairy farm producing milk for ben and jerry's ice cream in 2019 they diversified they started growing hemp for cbd sunset lake embraces sunset lake cbd i should say embraces vermont's tradition for land stewardship by using sustainable and regenerative farming techniques to build and protect healthy soils that are 100 pesticide free they use minimal tillage and implement cover crops and crop rotations they are also serve as a research farm for the university of vermont's agronomists to study hemp and inform industry best practices, which should tell you enough about how great of a company it is. But I do want to just share one thing with all of you. I live in Denver, Colorado. You probably know this. Um, I'm wearing a Cubs hat. I'm originally from Chicago, but I live in Denver, Colorado. It's very dry out here. And around this time of year, my feet just start to crack like crazy. And I don't want to get too, you know, TMI, but like, it's, it's very gross. It's, it's very painful too. It really hurts. You know what I started doing? Taking the sunset Lake CBD salve and just like put it on my feet before I go to bed at night. No more cracks. It's amazing. I'm, I feel I can, I'm like, I'm walking on just air. It's amazing. It's incredible. (laughs) I feel so good. Um, so not only as Jonathan talked about the smokable hemp products, the edibles that we've talked about, but also the salve. It's just, it works on everything. Check them out today. Sunsetlakecbd.com. Use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned and Vermont grown. Uh, can I can I tell you about Cash or Trade? Yeah, some people may need to use it this weekend. Please do. I mean, I don't know who doesn't know about Cash or Trade, but let me tell you, they, they are the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Fans are able to DM each other before, during, and after a transaction and rate and review each other when the transaction is complete so you can, you know, check the ratings, make sure this guy is cool. Uh, no added fees to sell your tickets. All sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's trader protection policy, which guarantees your money back. Uh, users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. And to learn all about it and get started, visit cashortrade.org. Wonderful. Great people that sponsor us. Um, and a great show with a great guest today and with great fans like Rob Rimmer telling us thanks for the fun recap. I had fun. This was a great show. Yeah, it's a good time. We'll be back. Thank you, Jonathan. We'll be back on Saturday. One last plug. Jam Heart Slips, Trips, and Falls comes out tomorrow. Purchase it at jmheart.bandcamp.com. Dot com. Great, 
great Saturday morning record. I, I made that right here. Like right, right there. Here. You're seeing the space. This microphone was used on this, these headphones. This is what we do here at Osiris. We get you access to your favorite artists and their recording spaces to get an idea <laughs> about where they make their music. No, but seriously, this is a great record. Jonathan's an amazing songwriter. I highly, highly, highly recommend that you check this out. jmhart.bandcamp.com. For The Fish, we will see you back here on Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern, to recap the show. We have a great guest on Saturday. I don't want to give it away, but he's one of my favorite people to talk fish with online, one of my favorite fish thinkers. He he does really amazing work in the state of Michigan, if that gives it it away. Um, But really, really excited uh, to talk through Fish's first night at Deer Creek this Saturday. Till then, we'll see y'all. What's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search the Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week, I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course, provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.